0: April 17, 1966. Witnesses report a brightly lit object as big as a house flying over neighborhoods. Police laugh until they see it for themselves. This week's episode The Portage County UFO Chase. It's the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA and Agent Anderson. Come along as we explore UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. Follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. All right. What do we got this week? We got the 1966 Portage County UFO chase. I would like to remind our listeners that I did another case as uh, my first episode, actually, in night, from 1966, which was the Michigan Swamp Gas case. So if you remember in that case, there are some similarities, but then again, maybe not. We'll see.
1: All right. So this is actually kind of one of those low-key famous cases where it's been mentioned in, in well, one particular famous movie, but it's uh, it used to be a very famous case, but it's actually kind of kind of been swept to the wayside a little bit. It's not so popular nowadays or so well-known.
0: Yeah, which is kind of strange because it was a really big deal back in the day, but Mm. practically nobody has heard about it nowadays. I suppose you could say it was a really long time ago, but an event of this magnitude, especially with the more recent interest in things like the Tic Tac videos and whatnot, you'd think Mm. people would still know about it. But my theory on that is that there's really nothing controversial about this case in that the people saw – the witnesses report something, and it's really hard to say that they were wrong about what they think they saw. Now, whether mm. they saw aliens, whether they saw an experimental government craft, I don't know what they saw exactly. But they saw something weird, and it's really hard to spin that to something controversial or something that you can dispute. Whereas like Roswell yeah. – There's all kinds of controversial stuff about Roswell. Maybe that's why it fell by the wayside. I don't know. What do you think, ETA?
1: Well, yeah, I like this case. I think it's a very solid one because of not only the people who were involved, the witnesses, but um, the similarities in what they described, you know, what they saw. All of their accounts of what they saw seem to be pretty similar. They're not all exactly the same, of course, but they all saw very similar things from different perspectives and also from different distances as well. So I think that kind of supports um, some level of, you know, legitimacy to their, just their accounts.
0: Yeah. This case has my personal favorite for a case is multiple independent witnesses. So we have many, mm-hmm. many people who didn't know each other ahead of time, all reporting the same thing. And that's pretty much the best thing you can get. Forget blurry photos, not the podcast. Forget people mm-hmm. who saw extraordinary things by themselves. But when you have literally hundreds and hundreds of people all reporting the same thing who could not have possibly known each other ahead of time, that's when you have an interesting case.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what do you say? You want to start start going through the, the uh, timeline here?
0: Yeah, so we start off with a civilian reported seeing something that was as big as a house, but too low to be an airplane flying over their neighborhood. And mm. the police didn't really take it seriously until officers Dale Spar and Wilbur Neff witnessed this same object coming over the tree line. So what they were stopped looking at an abandoned vehicle. And they saw this thing coming over the tree lines, um, and they, they were next to Route 224 mm-hmm. near Ravenna, Ohio. And I mentioned that because you can actually look up to this day where these places are and look at – it's kind of fun. Look on Google Maps. You know, there's mm-hmm. – oh, there's there's where it was. You can uh, – Kind of imagining
1: you know. yourself being in their shoes.
0: Yeah, exactly. So what they saw was it came from the south, and it hovered over their p- patrol car – and it lit up the area with a very, very intense light. They described the light as being so bright that it was as bright as daylight, and they said that it was like it was brighter than their car's headlights, and they compared it to a welder's torch. So, mm-hmm. for for people who are not aware of how bright a welder's torch is, could you illuminate us on that a little bit, uh, ETA?
1: Oh, it's it's extremely bright. It, it'll definitely burn your uh, your retina, I believe, um, if if you don't have some kind of protection. And when you're, it, it's you basically are forced to turn away from it. You know, your, your body's going to react a certain way to a light that intense and that bright. And after after you've seen something like that as well, if you're looking away at some, you know, a, a dark area or something that isn't anywhere near as bright, you're going to see all sorts of flashes. You know, still, you know, within your vision and. It'll affect you, man. That's—I mean—that's a statement that's that's definitely says something because that's a level of intensity that anybody is familiar with. That type of a light, you know, they know what you're talking about. You know, yeah. once you've seen that type of a flash, you know exactly what they're talking about.
0: Yeah, and they said that it was so bright that when when they were driving around, we'll get to this later. But when they were driving around in their car, chasing this object. They said it was so mm. bright that they could have been driving without their headlights on. And this is in the yeah. middle of the night, by the way. So mm. that that suggests to me that this object is so bright that's it's illuminating the entire area around them. Their whole local area is so bright that they don't even need their headlights. That's that's pretty bright.
1: Well, and the areas that they were traveling into, a lot of those areas didn't didn't, you know, it's not like they have streetlights, you know. So the, the only thing that the only thing else besides that whatever they're, they're observing and the headlights on their cars, so th- those should be the only two lights in most of the areas that they're going through, you know?
0: Yeah. Some it's people might, like a, these are
1: heavily populated areas.
0: Some people might describe these areas as, I don't know, the sticks or BFE or the middle of nowhere, but mm-hmm. yeah, the, the woods or whatever. There's, there was not a whole lot in the area where they were looking at this thing. Hmm. And another interesting thing about the, the lights is we have a report from an anonymous police officer that was on the other side of the hill from where they were when their police car was stopped. They were in uh, Atwater, and they, they reported seeing the light in the direction of where these two officers were stopped. But unfortunately, this officer remained anonymous, so it's hard to substantiate it. But it is interesting to note mm-hmm. that this is an official report.
1: Maybe that uh, that officer had a little bit of foresight and didn't want uh, scrutiny, or like you know, he, he didn't want to be called a kook. Yeah, you know, one of these officers did have a pretty bad uh, reaction to some of the scrutiny that he was putting through after put put through after telling his story. You know.
0: Yep, he was run through the ringer just a little bit.
1: So they're they're checking out this abandoned car on Route 224. Was it right? Mm-hmm. And, and then um, they, uh, I think it was Spar. Officer Spar first uh, that had noticed the light Officer Neff was checking out the car and Spar was being the lookout basically just making sure they didn't get run up on anybody or didn't ha- you know get ran over by a car that was coming down the road mm-hmm. and so he he was the one that noticed the lights first and um Neff noticed it afterwards from what I understand they mm-hmm. kind of stood there at first at awe you know and and they ended up getting back into their car once they kind of like came to their senses. And radioed into, into their, their dispatch, mm-hmm. and from what from what I understand, um, their sergeant, after having received the, the word of this call, you know, said, "Go ahead and follow it." Basically, you know, the uh, craft had moved along a little bit in front of them and then stopped. Like at first, they thought it, it might have been going away, you know, like it might just been moving on, but it stopped, and then they thought, you know, it might be waiting for them or something, you know. So I guess they had the idea to chase it.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's when the uh, the chase ensued, I guess, right?
0: Yeah, and I found, I found an s- actual witness statement from Deputy Spar for mm-hmm. the initial encounter. He says As it came over the trees, I looked at Barney, and he was still watching the car, and he didn't say nothing, and the thing kept getting brighter, and the area started to get light. The object was 50 feet in diameter with a bright, well defined light beam shining down from the bottom. When Barney Neff saw the object, he just stood there with his mouth open for a minute. As bright as it was, he looked down. And I started looking down, and I looked at my hands, and my clothes weren't burning or anything. When it stopped, right over top of us, the only sound in the whole area was a hum, like a transformer being loaded or overloaded when it charges. I was petrified, so I moved my right foot and everything seemed to work all right. And evidently, he made the same decision I did to get something between me and it or us in it or whatever you would say. So we both went for the car. We got in the car and sat there. And then after they got in the car, they radioed in a report to dispatch. And their sergeant told them to pursue the object. Like, I think e- ETA just actually just said that. So, um, mm-hmm. sorry. Sorry to repeat you, dude.
1: Is <laughs> it a Sar- sergeant uh, Sh- uh, Scheffenfeld, I think.
0: Yeah, Schoen schoenfield something like that. Schoenfeld?
1: yeah, <laughs> whichever comes first.
0: Sh- Schofen- what did I say? Schoen Sh- I don't know. I think we both said it wrong. <laughs> 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 Stefan. Jack Stefan. What What's going with Stefanovich? <laughs> Okay, I can dig it. <laughs> so they they then pursued the object, which, uh, well that that's that's sort of the whole. The whole meat of the potato here is the, the whole UFO chase. That's the exciting part of this story.
1: And that's when it starts getting really interesting because when they started pursuing it, from what they describe, the object accelerated very fast, but like not fast enough to get like out of their, their, their view. Supposedly started playing this like cat and mouse game with them where when they, you know, came across certain obstacles, let's just say like, you know, a red light or intersection or something like that, the thing stopped for them. And and like, then it kept on going once they accelerated and came towards it again.
0: Yeah. And they even made a wrong turn at one point and they were worried that they had lost the object, but the object waited for them. And once they got back on track, then it started going again. So it seemed like Mm -hmm. the object was definitely reacting to what the officers were doing and was kind of leading them on this chase, which is really Really weird. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. The the way the thing was acting was, was it, it seemed and I, I do believe both officers described this as well, that, that the object seemed to be moving intelligently. Like they said that it was piloted by somebody, they believed, because just the way it was moving. It was waiting for them, it was reacting to the what they were doing, you know, and that's that's pretty interesting. I mean, it can kind of make your imagination go wild a little bit. Like if you say just for instance you want, you know, just just you know, just uh dispend belief or whatever, you know. Uh, is that the right term?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so.
1: Yeah. Dispending belief. Sorry. I brain for there for a quick second. At any rate, say, say if, uh, this was like a test pilot that was, was doing this and hell, you might, you might even throw in there that maybe they were ordered to do this just to see how the public might react to seeing, uh, an object like this or craft, you know, um, it might be part of research. Who knows? I'll just put that in there. But, um, it's kind of how somebody might, might, mess around with with people on the ground you know because you if you if you want to be seen you're going to play that cat and mouse game if somebody is following you actively following you you know and and uh that actually could be quite a bit of fun if you were that test pilot and you know and besides that i mean just being able to test pilot one of those those vehicles would be um, absolutely amazing you know yeah i mean we're getting a little sidetracked but anyways so um both officers, uh, or well, deputies Spur and um, Neff were were traveling down two twenty four, and they're chasing this this craft. And uh, they're the whole time that they're talking to their dispatch and and relaying information, telling them what direction they are going. You know how fast the vehicle uh, was going, uh, what what it looked like. You know, and all the different law enforcement agencies around this area were all listening in to this traffic because they're all patched patched into the same systems at that time. And um, who was the first? There was a deputy. There was a couple deputies, I think four altogether, by the time the the vehicle left at the end that ended up in the chase. Um, Was the first deputy, uh, what was his name?
0: The first two deputies were the ones we mentioned, which were Spar and Neff. The next deputy was... um, he was waiting, he heard, he heard the, on the radio and he was sort of waiting around and it was officer Houston, I believe. And,
1: oh, yes. uh, oh yeah, Wayne, Wayne Houston.
0: Yeah. He was, he was near the Pennsylvania border. Remember we're in Ohio for the start of the mm-hmm. chase and they're chasing this thing and it's playing, it's playing cat and mouse with them. Like it's waiting for them. It's coming back. It's going forward, but it's staying near the deputies. And
1: they were also talking about how they uh, they were basically like at certain points punching it and going as fast as they can over 100 miles an hour. They, they're going at high speeds for them. You know, for this craft, it probably was absolutely nothing, you know, but it, it's still kind of funny. Uh, well, I, I you know, I, I digress. I was going to start mentioning uh, some stories about some of the planes, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. So we'll, we'll yeah. talk about the that the deputy that... that, that joined in the race first
0: yeah so officer houston to me it looks like huston but we'll go with houston that's probably that's probably correct right i don't (laughs) know (laughs) Yeah, whichever comes first uh there's a lot of radio chatter at this time they were on the radio with communicating with dispatch and Mm -hmm. also other local police officer or police departments and officer houston was waiting for them near the pennsylvania border monitoring the radio chatter and when they got near, he also witnessed this object and he joined in on the chase as they passed him.
1: And I've heard his, his, uh, description of the event as well. Like he, he set up on a part of that highway where he knew that he was going to intersect with whatever was happening. You know, just imagine like the excitement you listen mm-hmm. to all this radio traffic, you know, you're like, what the holy heck is going on here? Yeah. And then, from what he describes, he sees the object. He sees a vehicle, this right. bright, illuminated vehicle going at high speeds, passing by. Right. We're, exactly what they described. And then he sees the other these other officers going by, chasing. You know. He's, well, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how wild <laughs> is that? You
0: know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's and pretty keep cool. Keep in mind also, this is back in this day. I think the culture was a little bit different. So back in this day, there mm-hmm. was a high interest. And UFOs and aliens and all kinds of weird stuff. Like if you said, I saw a UFO at a dinner party, those people would talk to you again. If you said that nowadays, Mm -hmm. if you're at a party with your buddies, say, Oh, I saw a UFO the other day. People look at you like, Oh, okay. That's one of those people. They're not going to get the call back. We're not going to invite them next week into our dinner party. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in 1966, (laughs) I think that this thing it was a little different. People were still very interested in this topic in a different kind of a way than mm-hmm. they are now. So imagine, yes, yeah. like ETA was saying, imagine if you're sitting there, you're listening to all this radio chatter and then you see it for yourself. It, you know, that's that must have been just something else.
1: And then also, you know, chasing it with a with a vehicle, you know, and then basically you have the right to because you're law enforcement. So, you know, like I said, here we go. <laughs> not not
0: only the right, but the obligation. You're looking at you're trying sure. to protect the public good. This is one thing that um always kind of irks me is when skeptics talk about law enforcement, they talk about them like they're saying as if the law enforcement officers involved said Oh, yeah, we totally saw aliens. They came. We had a barbecue with them and whatever. But Mm. most of the reports I've seen from law enforcement, they state just the facts. They say we saw this. They're
1: pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah, very straightforward. This is what we saw. This is what happened. They Mm. don't interpret the data very much. They say this is what we saw. They don't say It was a government craft. It was an alien, whatever. They don't say that. They just say, this is what I saw. This is what I did. Mm -hmm. Here's my report. That's what I found with this case too, is that these officers aren't necessarily saying this is X, Y, Z. They're just saying, this is what I saw and this is what I did. And what Mm -hmm. officer Houston did, he was waiting and he saw the object flew straight overhead at about, he said about 900 feet. And just to put that into perspective, if you see, if you look up in the sky and you see a, a Boeing 747 or whatever, you see an airplane up in the sky, a passenger jet that's probably flying somewhere in the ballpark of thirty to forty thousand feet. So if you saw something flying above you at nine hundred feet, you would probably think to yourself, "Gee, that's flying very low, and I'm worried it might crash on my house." Not oh, there's an airplane in the sky that I can see up there. So 900 feet is very, very low for an airplane to be flying or anything to be flying, really.
1: So he said- It's a concerning height.
0: Yeah, yeah, very, that's very, 900 feet sounds like a lot, but that's very, very low for aircraft. So Officer Houston said that it looked like it was a flattened ice cream cone with a dark dome top and a cone-shaped light on the bottom and he said it looked like the light was a focused beam and it looked as if like a light like a flashlight or something would look if it was being shown through fog and it was tilted towards the object's to the rear of the object's direction of travel
1: yeah it's it's kind of confusing some of the like a lot of the the descriptions when you when you hear people talking about it because they, they call it like a a flattened you know ice cream cone you know and like at first when i started to read some of the, the the descriptions until i saw some of the actual um images like like for instance you can see like some of the uh the drawing that um i think officer spar i don't know if it was i think it was just officer spar maybe neff had had some uh, influence in it as well but uh, once you actually saw some like the images you know especially there there was an artist uh, rendition of um you know, Officer Spar's description of the vehicle, then you really kind of start to understand, like, what what they were actually supposedly observing, you know? So, like, at, fir- at first, when I started hearing the descriptions, maybe me being a, l- a little bit of a Nimrod, you know, I was like, what well, is, is a cone-shaped vehicle? And then I was like, oh, no, wait, okay. The light itself, you know, projecting down from the vehicle at the, at the bottom of it, that was a cone shape. But the vehicle itself was kind of a little bit more... Um, like one of the, I remember hearing one of the civilian descriptions of it being like a flattened hamburger, you know, but at the back of it, it had like a, some people described like what was like a dark antenna, you know, that almost like looked like a, a shark fin. I mean, that, that, I mean, from the drawing, that's how I'm describing it, but I don't believe I remember hearing that, that term, you know what I mean? But so, so it was like a flattened hamburger and then a cone of light projecting down below it.
0: A lot of the witnesses described it as a protrusion or an antenna, but when you mm-hmm. look at the sketch, it looks like it looks like a shark fin. You're absolutely right. That's what it looks like to me as well.: Yeah,
1: well, but that's not the only description. That's just like the most common one, you know.
0: Yeah, so there was there was a fourth officer that was involved the, that was also, I guess you could consider to be one of the main witnesses, mm-hmm. and his name was Frank Panzanella. Mm -hmm. He saw it as well, and his description is he thought at first that it was an airplane on fire, but he saw it in the distance, but then when he saw it hovering, he said it looked like a football cut in half along its length, and that the flat bottom was lit. He thinks that he saw individual lights around the bottom, and he says it was an antenna-like protrusion at the back. Now, I'd Mm. like to just take us take a moment here because this is, to me, this is really interesting. If you look at the year 1966 and you go through the Blue Book archives or you go through the newspapers or whatever, or if you heard the first episode of the show about um, the Michigan swamp gas, there's a lot of witnesses around this time who described either a football-shaped object with lights or a half-football-shaped object or something like that. But there's so many witnesses across America, especially the Midwest, describing something that could loosely be called the same object, the descriptions differ a little bit or a lot, but the basic shape and the basic characteristics, it kind of makes me take a step back and think, how are so many people reporting something like this? And there, there has to be a connection some way or other. All the similarities, yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: to be to be quite honest, I am a believer in the idea that our government has possession of multiple different vehicles, however many it is, who mm-hmm. knows? You know, mm-hmm. at least two or three, maybe. In, in my own personal opinion, and you know, if they have the ability to test, pilot these vehicles or fly them, whatever you, you know, then. They're going to be doing experiments with them. I would, you know, like I said before, though, it's you not know, like I'm a, uh, a mental giant. So I don't know what, what, you know, extremely intelligent individuals working for the government might decide to do with this, mm-hmm. uh, whether the people making those decisions are those individuals or not, you know, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised in my opinion. I mean, that's kind, I think that's kind of what's going on here. You know, it, it's, uh-huh. it's a, a, a vehicle that's being piloted. And being tested,
0: I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Saturday night rolls around. I'd be parking that thing right in front of the bar. But hey, ladies, check out my ride. (laughs) I mean, you Mm -hmm, know, come on. mm -hmm. Why not, right? Well,
1: and 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 the reason why I say that too is is because of the interaction that happens between these deputies in this vehicle. Right. This this cat this cat and mouse game. How it's just playing with them. You know it, it. in my opinion, if you had like a, a extremely advanced life form that was here for research, and this is another one of those opinion things, this is part of my opinion of what uh, alien life is, if they are coming here, I think that they, they, it's likely that they're either doing research or they're trying to either, because it doesn't, if they were here for res, uh, resources, we would know, obviously, they would be here drawing resource, uh, drawing resources and If they were geared towards that thing, then they would also, you know, possibly have some similarities to us where when we go into a forest or into any kind of uh, environment to withdraw resources, we really don't have much consideration for the animals or the wildlife living in those areas. They're kind of, you know, kind of just a, a side thought, if a thought at all, to any of these companies who are drawing these resources. Like I said, any resources you want to talk about, you know, whether it be trees or coal or oil or whatever it is, you know? Um, so if, if aliens were like that, then damn, we would, it'd would be pretty damn obvious that they were here, you know? Yeah. So if they are here, I think that they might be here for a different purpose for maybe the betterment of our society. Maybe they, they see something in us that, you know, um, reminds them of the very early you know, stages that they went through maybe, you know, mm-hmm. holy hell there, there's, there, there's different, uh, theories out there you know maybe they are advanced us you know
0: coming from the future right i i kind of have a theory of my own along those lines so i think that Mm -hmm. there's certain variables that have to line up in order for life to develop into more intelligent forms of life so you might have Let's Mm -hmm. say amoebas, and then the amoebas turn into fish, and then the fish turn into dogs, and then whatever, right?
1: Yeah. But absolutely, yeah.
0: A lot of people might say, "Okay, well, you need the opposable thumb, right? Well, that's handy. It's nice to have an opposable thumb."
1: Yeah. Well, what about octopus? I mean, they're supposedly extremely intelligent. So are dolphin,
0: right? But but they didn't build spaceships. Why did we build spaceships? Yeah, you're right. And nobody else did, right? What's the one thing we have that nothing else on this planet has? that it actually undermines our own security and well-being. So what it is is curiosity. You'll have, let's say you go back to the day where you just have cavemen, a bunch of cavemen sitting around in a cave. They never been to the other side of the Hill. Right. And let's say one, one of those cavemen is going to be like, what's over there. The other cavemen are gonna be like, I don't know, dude, you know, Steve went over there last month and he never came back. So you probably don't want to go over there. Right. But then like mm-hmm. John is be like, well, you know, well, maybe, maybe Steve's still over there. Well,
1: I'm, I'm better than Steve. So if I go over there, I'll come back.
0: Maybe, maybe he's better. Maybe he's not, but he has to go over there because he has this insatiable curiosity. He says, I'm going to go over there. Even if Steve's dead, I don't care. I want to find out what happened. And they'd be like, well, his buddies are going to tell him, Hey dude, you got, you got food, you got shelter, you got everything you could possibly want right here in this cave. Why do you want to go over to the other side of that hill? Well, I, I just kind of want to know what's over there. So then he goes over there. Maybe a bear eats him. Maybe, a, maybe he goes over there and he finds, you know, a brand new rock that nobody ever discovered before. And that's the next big thing. Right. But think about it. Look at, look at like the, the program to go to the moon. How much resources did we spend to go to the moon? We could have spent that money instead to like, I don't know, feed starving people, cure diseases, whatever. But we didn't. We said, all right, we're going to put these guys in this metal can, send them to the moon. It's just so ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? Because we're curious because we have to. So what if life to advance as a civilization requires this sort of curiosity And maybe there's not any desire on the part of aliens to maybe to exploit us to come here for any other reason. Just what's over there. There's, there's people there. Let's go see what they're doing. What are they doing? That's a very good point. And this is, this is the kind of weird stuff I think about, like, but I think that's a real thing. Like, why would we, why would we go to the moon? Why would we want to go to the next star over when we have everything here we could ever possibly want? But it's going to happen someday. Someday we're going to develop the technology. People will get on a spaceship and they will fly to the next star over and they're going to find, if they're lucky, they'll find something half as good as what we have here. And they're, they'll love it every minute of it, even though it's going to be like the worst thing ever, right? <laughs>
1: well, I mean, just, just look at what we speculate on, you know, like the, the different types of data that we draw upon to come to conclusions. Like, for example, like... I know that there's different like um, type of like uh, array telescopes that we have, or I know that's not the right term, different types of like telescopes that we or uh, satellite telescopes that we have um, with, with different types of sensory arrays on them. And um, the different ones and zeros that get sent back to NASA or whatever entity that's uh, t- transcribing these, these things, um, they, 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 you know, can come to a lot of different conclusions. Like even just like, like one of the things, like I mean, I know that I don't quite understand the, this type of uh, information, but like the fact that, like you know, the pictures from Mars and stuff like f- from the rovers are all ones and zeros that come back, you know, and they 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 get these incredibly detailed pictures that come back, you know, that, that I mean, they're really pretty amazing. I think, you know, I, I know that some some people, you know, claim that oh, you know, well, that's not those those pictures are really from you know, uh, you know, Southern California in the desert, <laughs> but. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's
0: amazing how much Mars looks like <laughs> Southern California. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I know. Right. Minus the shrubbery. But, uh, you know, you know, at any rate, um, it, I, I'm just, you know, giving them the, the benefit of the doubt. If it is from Mars, I look at these pictures and like, you know, that's, I, I, I'm one of these type of people that I love to look at these pictures and let my imagination go wild, you know, because, what if you were standing right there, you know, on Mars, like that, that picture is actually from Mars, man. It's a different planet. What led us up to this conversation? Obviously all, all this is getting edited out.
0: I'm, I'm assuming. Uh, You started speculating about what these crafts could be if it was aliens and that kind of stuff. And that just kind of made me start thinking about idea, an idea I had. So I started ranting about that. And then, <laughs> yes. Beyond that, we're gonna to have to go back and review the recording. I don't know, dude. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're right about that. Ho- hopefully, <laughs> hopefully some of that, uh, hopefully some of that rant that I, I just uh, regurgitated was was usable. Uh, hopefully, I'm a lovable idiot. You know, well, is, it's is it's what not. I'm saying.
0: It's not even about being an idiot. It's about translating information in a way that's understandable. So earlier today, this is kind of strange, but um, we were sitting in the jacuzzi, and Greg asks me. He said he asked me about like. Is there, like, what's the fourth dimension? And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, physics, we have the three spatial dimensions, and then time is sometimes considered the fourth dimension or whatever. But then we started mm-hmm. talking about this video that I saw with Carl Sagan, right? And okay, yeah. one. I don't know if you knew who Carl Sagan is, but Oh, well, yeah,
1: I know, I know exactly who he is. And also, there's only so many videos with him. Well, I mean, I know that he had his little series there, but- he, so when it there's comes to... so much Carl Sagan content out there,
0: you know? W- when he comes to UFOs, the guy's kind of... A, because he's just like, oh, well, there's no such thing as aliens. It's like, well... Well, you, that's what
1: I was about to say. He's he's extremely dismissive on the subject.
0: Yeah. It's like, well, all right, excuse me, Mr. Sagan. You are a physicist or an astronomer or whatever. You have to know how big the universe is. But that's... Yeah. So anyways...
1: Well, that's a, the disappointing part of it is Carl Sagan was a, a brilliant individual. He yeah. really was. Yeah, man. And he was... And part of his brilliance also is being able to explain his, those ideals that he was dealing with to the to the masses. You know what I mean? He, right. he was very he was pretty damn good at it. You know what I mean?
0: Well, that's yeah. So I was gonna say. So he was talking about a fourth spatial dimension, right? And this video, mm-hmm. one of the things he said was like, if if you have a two dimensional civilization, let's say you live on a piece of paper, you have you have just two dimensions, right? Up, down, left, right, mm-hmm. but you don't have depth. He said. You wouldn't well, I
1: prefer I prefer up up down up down left right left right A B A B
0: well that that works too but he said something I thought that was really interesting. Okay, so he compared a fourth spatial dimension that we're not able to perceive. So mm-hmm. he broke it down. If you're on if you're only a two-dimensional society, you wouldn't be able to see a cube, but you could mm-hmm. see a shadow of a cube, right? So if you shine a light on a cube and you see that cube structure, um like the shadow of that cube structure can be represented in two dimensions, and you could perceive that as a two dimensional being, and I was like, that's an interesting way of thinking about it, right yeah, but yeah
1: that, that's that's a yeah that's a that's a boggle right there, yeah, I'll tell you that much,
0: yeah, dude my mind was blown when I saw that video. I'm like, dude, he's making this video for kids. And I'm like sitting here tripping mm. out like
1: <laughs> I know, right? Well yeah, when you ta- wait when you start yeah, talking about that those type of concepts yeah. with, with when it's directed towards children, I mean that's that's actually pretty uh, I, I, I really dig that because, you know, it's it, it kind of really, it's those are really mind expanding type of thought processes, yeah. you know.
0: But but my, my point is is that um it's not about being smart or stupid or whatever. It's about making the information accessible.
1: So the deputies were listening to some radio chatter about the flying object. And supposedly they had heard that the air force had scrambled some jets to pursue the object. And as soon as that happened, from what I understand the object like seemed to respond to that radio chatter and shot straight up and out. Like it just, it basically just pieced out and got the heck out of there.
0: Deputy Spar said when they started talking about the fighter planes, it was just as if that thing heard every word that was said. It went pshaw, straight up. And I mean, when it went up, friend, it didn't play no games. It went straight up. And you could I can understand if you're on the ground listening to this radio chatter, you could interpret it that way. But if this is some sort of aerial vehicle, whether it, whether it's government, man-made or not, they would be able to detect other incoming aircraft, and if they saw some fighter jets headed at them, you know, which coming straight out of you know, bad out of hell, just Mach two coming right. Well, okay, maybe maybe not Mach two well, in nineteen sixty six, but well, yeah, I
1: mean, well, <laughs> not with not the 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 jets that were supposedly being used, which I think from I've heard it described that these jets were were like um, trainer jets. And I've also heard that they weren't like trainer jets. They were like, you know, jets that were, they had, you know, weaponry on them and stuff. I've heard a couple different accounts, but well, I mean, the, the main account by the government is basically that the, the jets were never scrambled, but there also is a, a bunch of different descriptions of people saying that they saw this object being chased by jets.
0: Um, and not only that, there are multiple witnesses from multiple police departments who mm-hmm. said that they heard on the radio that jets were scrambled and inbound to intercept. Not Mm -hmm. only that, there's actually a radio log where somebody recorded that on the log that the jets were scrambled to intercept this. So it's the government is saying that it didn't happen, but come on, it happened.
1: Well, I mean, so, so you hear, you hear two different sides of the story. So, these people that witnessed this event were interviewed by Project Blue Book, as a matter of fact, afterwards. And when you hear Project Blue Book's account of the event and their description of what these people observed, it's a um, well, project it's, it, project
0: <laughs> Project Blue Book. I'm sure they did a very in depth investigation of the incident, right?
1: It, oh, I'm sure they did. Well, all right, so the 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 main person that that did the. The investigation was the director of Project Blue Book at the time, what was Hector Quintanilla, I think, I believe is, is, is his name. Yeah, yeah, Major Hector Quintanilla. And from what I've heard, or so from what I, has been described by by these people who witnessed this event, they were interviewed by this individual for, for a very short period of time. Um, I know that um, uh, Deputy Spar said that he he had talked to him for a total of like four minutes or something like that. And from this entire conversation, you know, as as extensive as it was, the um, the government explanation of what they saw basically was, first, they said they had seen a, a satellite, and they had mistaken that for a UFO, right? And mm-hmm. then afterwards, they had mm-hmm. seen planet Venus, but the reason why they mistook planets, planet Venus for a UFO is because it was Um, behind fog, you know. I Mm -hmm. I think was was at the. It was. uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Planet Venus refracted uh, through the fog. Mm -hmm. I think was the the terminology, if I'm remembering correctly.
0: And one of the witnesses said that when uh, Major uh, Quintanilla called him up, he Mm -hmm. said when he went to interview him, he said, "So tell us about this mirage that you saw." So he didn't call
1: that. yeah,
0: Yeah, he didn't call him up and say. Tell me what you saw. He said, so about this nonsense that you saw, tell me why it's nonsense. Mm -hmm. That's basically how he interviewed the person. And he interviewed them for something like two minutes or something on the phone. So Mm -hmm. that was the investigation, like a two-minute phone interview with one of the witnesses. Keep in mind, Mm -hmm. there were, you know, dozens of police witnesses and hundreds of civilian witnesses. And he talked to a grand total of one witness to investigate this case. (laughs) That's the government's Mm -hmm. investigation. And they came to the conclusion, like ETA just said, that it was a satellite and the planet Venus. So Mm -hmm. let's contrast that perhaps with a statement by Officer Panzanella. His description of the event was something along the lines of, or a direct quote, the object was the shape of half of a football was very bright and about 25 to 30 feet in diameter. The object continued to go up until it got as small as a ballpoint pin Relative to the moon, the object was quite distant and to the left of the moon. We all four watched the object shoot straight up and disappear. Now, the reason this testimony is important is because the planet Venus was not to the left of the moon relative to the officer's position. So if he was viewing Venus, it would have been in a different place in the sky. And mm-hmm. back in the day, in 1966, there were very, very few satellites in orbit compared to today. So we, oh, can, sure, yeah. we, we can go back and we can say definitively that at this time and place, at this viewing aim, angle, there is zero chance that there was a satellite at that position at that time. There was no satellite in the sky. So that explanation is just completely made up. It was not a satellite and it was not Venus definitively. And that's the official explanation. So we can say right away mm-hmm. that the official explanation is complete garbage.
1: Yeah, it doesn't line up with the explanation or the the accounts of the people that witnessed this.
0: Yeah, not at all. The official explanation to me sounds like the standard... You know, uh, swamp gas. It was the planet Venus, or you know, or or it was the planet Venus because that's usually what they say. Um,
1: yeah. It's it rem- <laughs> it's common, yeah. It's-
0: it reminds me of um, Illinois, the Illinois two thousand triangles, where exactly police yeah. officers report you know a flying triangle a hundred feet over a field the size of a house or whatever, and then the official mm-hmm. explanation, uh, well, maybe not the official, but the debunkers will say, oh, it was just you know venus because <laughs> why not mm-hmm. right let's just say venus because that's you know
1: yeah i mean it, it's it's one of those tactics that's used you know, a couple of different times I and mean, we've done I, I, at least uh i think there's at least two episodes where excuses like that we've we've talked about you know and yeah it's almost kind of frustrating to a certain point too because like it it'll, to be honest like i almost like think like come on man like put a little more more effort into it than yeah that.
0: like Yeah, it's so lazy. Like, it doesn't have to be aliens. It could be something else. But yeah, if you're just going to say it's Venus, they're not putting any effort into it at all. Like, very, very little.
1: (laughs) But, I mean, the the case itself, I think, like we were saying before, the the totality of accounts, witnesses, and and what they say, um, how closely their accounts line up as far as what they're describing, I think really says something. Uh, Like I said, it, it... Adds a bit of, you know, legitimacy to the case because their 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 descriptions are so close. Um, it, it makes me think. I mean, um, if you wouldn't mind, do you think we should come to our conclusions? What we uh, really think about the case?
0: Um, yeah, we could do that. Well, well do wait first. Did we did we talk about the photograph?
1: Which one is that? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Oh no, yeah 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 we yeah well that's. Yeah, we do need to talk about that. Um, I think we probably should have talk about talked about that because that that guy took that photograph fairly fairly early on, right? Like before they got like in the
0: chase. It's kind, I think it's kind of an interesting, very interesting thing about this. This this case has it all. We got mm-hmm. a photograph. We got independent witnesses. We it's we got government action. It's just this mm-hmm. case is just mm-hmm. it's one of the best cases ever but mm-hmm. it like nobody talks about it anymore, which is why I wanted to do an episode on it. So the chief boot, how, how would you say that? Buchert, Buchert, shirt, but yeah, but I don't know <laughs> S- something like that. B-U-C-H-E-R-T Boucher. I think maybe, I don't know. He took, he took a picture of the thing. You can find this picture online and it's, so the cameras back then, they didn't have like 4k digital. It was just, you know, a film camera. Mm. And it kind of looks like a fake picture, but on the other hand, it looks exactly like what the witnesses describe. So I kind of want to believe that it's a genuine photo because, well, it looks exactly like what the witnesses described. And Mm -hmm. it does not look, uh, there's no way you could possibly look at this thing and think that's a man-made vehicle. At least when I saw, mm-hmm. it. but that doesn't mean it wasn't top secret. But anyways, the yeah. photograph is highly interesting, but at the same time, highly dubious. What's your take on the photograph, Agent ETA?
1: Well, I think it's a genuine attempt at recording the event that he was observing. You know, and um, like like you had said, that it's not something that is totally clear what you're looking at, but but it is it is something that is is it adds another level of a. Uh, information or, or, you know, evidence to the case, um, I I, uh, I don't put a whole lot of weight on that picture, to be quite honest, just because, you know, there, there's, I don't know, it's just you can't tell a ton from the picture. I mean, there, there's definitely something that he took a picture of. You could tell that there's something he was focusing on, but it's just not super clear to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: One, one thing that's interesting is, did he financially benefit from this picture As far as I can tell, no, but Mm. on the other hand, there are some people who are kind of pranksters who would do something like this just for S's and G's. So you cannot say definitively one way or the other, but it's, it's sort of one of these, it's an interesting thing. If you're, if this case kind of, you know, takes your fancy, just Google the picture for it and let us, let us know what you think. You can actually, we have an email Mm. address, um, alienconpod at protonmail.com, hit us up on Twitter, whatever. We'd like to hear what you think about the picture. But it's it's kind of tantalizing because I really want to think that this is the object that they were chasing. And there's no really good reason why I shouldn't believe that, except that like every time something gets dangled in front of me, I always find out something why, oh well that was nonsense after all, you know? Mm. But it's a really interesting. What, probably the most I don't know about the one of the most interesting photographs, if not the most that I've ever seen tied to UFO case.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. It definitely is interesting. Uh, um, for for me, me myself, like uh, I put a lot more weight upon like personal testimony. Uh, mm. pictures are great, and, and I absolutely love looking at them. And, and some of them, I mean, there there are definitely are pictures out there that are 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 very interesting and and. and are compelling too. Cause they seem to be real. But then again, there is also quite a bit of misinformation that has been introduced through pictures. And th- there has definitely been uh, quite a few pictures that have came out, you know, I'm just talking about my own personal history came out. I was very interested in this picture, you know, all like crap, that looks really cool, you know? And then like, you know, me being the person that does is not an expert on this type of thing, you know, um, you know, I kind of become a little fooled by it, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? It turns out the picture wasn't real. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in generalities here just because I'm talking about a bunch of different cases that I, I've looked at, you know, pictures you know, of the cases and um, But then again, there are pictures like this that were taking, taken in 1966 and, and it is verifiable that this guy did take uh, take this picture. Um, it doesn't appear that it has been doctored, you know, and, and that's the reason why I'm so skeptical when it comes to this type of thing is because so many pictures have been doctored. Um, this one, as far as I could I could tell, it doesn't seem like it, it was. Um, so you know, I guess you know, going back on what I said, you know, I guess it does add a little bit of le- a legitimacy to it as well. Yeah. Um. Because the the track record, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And one one thing that that I have to remind myself is that just because there have been so many hoaxes doesn't mean that every picture is a hoax. But yeah. by By the same token, that doesn't mean that this isn't a hoax. So it it is what it is, right? I mean.
1: Yeah. It's just like, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's like this, this, and and the, the entirety of the, the alien realm, there's a lot of misinformation you have to uh, navigate through, you know? Um,
0: Yeah. And not even misinformation. There's an awful lot of just BS out there. Just people trying to sell books just people trying to hoax stuff because it's amusing for you yeah, know yeah. for whatever there's a lot of nonsense out there in general
1: mhm yeah there's no doubt about that so i mean it, it, to a certain point that that it makes you kind of uh, it just makes you reluctant you know what i mean to to believe sometimes because mm-hmm. you know but this case in particular though actually is a, a very solid case because of when it happened um, the type of witnesses that you have um, the amount of witnesses that you have, and and also how closely their descriptions line up, mm-hmm. you know. So th- this is definitely, I think, one of the more solid cases out there.
0: This case kind of it kind of reminds me, in a way, of like the Phoenix, Arizona case. Like for for mm-hmm. the scale of it, obviously mm-hmm. the Phoenix, Arizona case had way more witnesses, just because of like the the hailbop comment, or whatever. But yeah. this case did have a significant amount of witnesses, a significant amount of press coverage. And I think it's safe to say – I think you can make that comparison for like the 60s that it is It is similar to the Phoenix sightings. And I think that whatever these officers saw, I think they were reporting something that they actually saw. So they're not making it up. And these mm. – it's not like the police, the police department – They don't all meet, you know, Pennsylvania, Ohio, whatever counties, you know, they don't all just meet, you know, have a convention and they all know each other. They don't necessarily know each other. All these cops, these police officers, they didn't know each other ahead of time, but they all reported seeing the exact same thing. And Mm. these are very credible witnesses, not because they're better than me or you at describing stuff they see, but... Because their job is to protect the public. And while they're doing their job, they have to file reports. And if they file a report, they file a false report, they will face penalties for that. They'll lose their jobs and there may even be criminal penalties. And a lot Hmm. of law enforcement people, not all of them, but a lot of them take their jobs seriously. They really do want to protect the public. And if they see something that they perceive as a danger, they are going to put their lives on the line to protect the public from that danger. Whether Mm -hmm. it's an object flying around the skies, they don't know. I mean, this was, you know, the so-called height of the Cold War, which we can say for any period after, you know, the 1940s, I guess. But if you're a police officer and you get this report, you have to check it out. Because that's what you do. You don't know if it's dangerous. You don't know what it is. You're going to follow it and you're going to observe it and you're going to make sure you do everything you can to protect the public from any kind of danger that this thing might pose. So I think that's why police make good witnesses, not necessarily that they're trained observers or that they're better at observing things than the average person. But because they 're willing to put their life on the line to protect us from these dangerous things, so uh, aliens um, I think that this could be any number of things there's really not enough evidence to say it was this or that so i'm not I 'm not really willing to go out on the limb and say, "Well, yeah, it was aliens, but on the other hand, to match this things, flight characteristics, meaning that it could fly any direction at will at any speed. Essentially, it does to summarize all the witness statements. We didn't have that technology in the sixties and we don't have that technology now. So I think that it, so if something was that highly advanced in the sixties, generally speaking, that technology becomes obsolete and it gets released to the public at some point generally that only takes like say 20 years. It I mean from the 60s probably if this was man-made we would know about it by now. But not necessarily. I mean it's possible that that would still be classified. So I think that these people saw something real. I think it's possible that it's a man-made top secret project. Um I think it's possible that it's aliens I guess to get right down to it, I have no idea what this thing was, and it's a really really interesting case that really captures my imagination
1: you know if i was if I was held down to an opinion like I had mentioned earlier I would say that because of the characteristics of how it acted, I would say it's a craft that our government has a hold of that um they were piloting they were experimenting with. I know that you know some people might just say, Oh, well, I mean, that's that's you know it's kind of hard to believe, you know, and that's kind of uh, I don't know. there's not enough evidence maybe to to come to that conclusion. But I, like I said, like I had said earlier, I do believe that the government does have a hold of technologies that they have acquired through whatever means and that they are experimenting with them
0: well, and along those lines, I would like to point out to people that, they they let off the atomic bomb in this in the 1940s so that would be you know like 20 some odd years before this that they deployed it so they they designed the atomic bomb they didn't have computers they didn't really have calculators they were basically working with abacuses the the atom at this point what they were working with that was just theoretical and they took this theoretical knowledge and used it to blow up An entire city with one bomb. And they did this without having any sort of microscope to look at what it was that they were actually doing. So there is the possibility uh, that they were able to do things well in advance of what they should have been able to do. Because in my book, the nuclear bomb was a miracle of science. And that's worthy of an episode by itself, possibly just how they made that happen. Like they had an entire city of people just trying to enrich uranium. Like it was, it's bananas how much resources they poured into that. And it's still, it's like, you're talking about the moon landings being fake. Well, if you look back, like the atomic bomb should have been fake, except it wasn't because it actually went off and we have really good evidence that it did. But,
1: and also like, I hear a lot of people. So, so the Manhattan the Manhattan Project, uh, I I bring up sometimes when I hear people talk about like oh you know, there's no such thing as like government conspiracies and like different like deep state projects and stuff because nobody can keep a secret right like the, mm-hmm. you know nobody can keep a secret so why would there be, you know these these uh, type of deep state deep state projects you know, mm-hmm. um, but then you know you gotta turn around and say well what about the Man- Manhattan Project mm-hmm. because that that project i'm not sure the the time span the exact amount of time that it took to uh, accomplish what they did but you know there's there was quite a few people that were involved in that and um well the the information wasn't leaked well i mean well not not by you know a whole lot of people
0: yeah that that's <laughs> that's actually a surprisingly common explanation when people say well that couldn't have possibly happened because we would know about it Because we know about everything and nobody could possibly keep a secret except all of the secrets that they've kept all of these years, so many secrets that we don't know about and we find out about something, a document gets released and we find out that something happened 50 years ago and we're like, wow, we're just now finding out about that because they kept it a secret for all these years,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, every everything that ever gets leaked and that we find out that we didn't know before, right? I mean, there's there's quite a bit to be said for compartmentalization, right? Mm-hmm. There's people that know the roles that accept their roles that that you know are assigned these roles in, in government, you know, and and I mean there there's there's uh, I think people have um, you know they don't give enough credit towards individuals who accept and decide not to release information that people that have worked in government roles, these different positions that, that, you know, they just have no problem with, uh, not talking about it because they agreed to it. You know? Yeah. It's not that they don't want to talk about it. It's just like, well, no, I, I told, I said that I wasn't, that's what I agreed to. so I'm not going to,
0: you know? And I think the type of person who says that does not appreciate the sort of person That's in the military. So whether you're in the military or you're a military contractor or whatever, you're in that industry, right? So Mm -hmm. just think about this for a second. If you're in the military, what are you saying? You're saying, I'm willing to go to a faraway place and die there for the safety of my nation. And that's Mm -hmm. a particular mindset that most people cannot understand or appreciate. Yeah,
1: that's quite the sacrifice right there. I mean. Whether they know they're making it or not, especially if they do, that's a certain type of person right there. It really is.
0: If you're willing to go out and get your guts blown out and die on some foreign plane, some just horrendous battlefield, you think that person is going to be able to keep a secret for the greater good of the nation if they're willing to put their life on the line?
1: All right. So that's our opinion on the subject pretty much. Uh, I think we've said all we can really say about it. Um, if you guys have any different opinions on it, we, we do have our, our Twitter account at alien dot, uh, con pod. <laughs> what, what is it? God damn it. <laughs> it's
0: just, it's just at alien con pod on Twitter
1: at alien con pod dot t- t- Twitter. Yeah. At alien con dot Twitter.
0: Uh, no. Well, that wraps it up for this week. If you have any opinions or comments on this episode, please let us know at AlienConPod on Twitter or AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. Join us next time for a topic we have a topic that which we have not yet decided upon.